Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, so much for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for all the things you've been doing, the things you're doing right now in our midst and the things you have planned for us. And thank you, God, for these gifts and tithes and offerings that people have given. Thank you, God, that you call them a seed, which means they have the power of life in them. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring your kingdom to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Has anyone heard of the Feast of Tabernacles? It's a, it's a famous one, isn't it? And did you know that tabernacles means tents or booths? And in the old uh, Jewish times, and in fact, maybe still today, religious Jews once a year around mid-September would spend seven or eight days where they build a little makeshift tent or cabin. And for eight days, they live outside of their houses. Even wealthy lawyers and doctors and whatever go and live in a little booth and they eat their food there and the, they can see the stars through the roof and they put branches and fronds all over the thing. And they're remembering the time that the Jews wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God had a promised land for them that was beautiful, lush, rich, full of milk and honey and beautiful veggies and, and all sorts of greenery. And they're remembering the fact that they wandered in the wilderness, living in tents for 40 years. But the main purpose is for us to know that here on planet Earth, even if you've got a wonderful body, it's still just a tent. Even if you've got a wonderful job and house and bank balance, it's still just a tent. This is a temporary life. Amen. And there's much, much better and much, much more and much longer to come. This is temporary, but eternity is in heaven where we belong. And we've got to remind ourselves of that. And so once a year, God said to the Israelites, go and camp out and remember, you're living in a tent. I brought you through the wilderness in a tent. Life is just temporary. Don't forget it. And we have a camp once a year. It's not a religious festival. It's just fun. And some people have rubbish tents like me. And some people like Pat live in luxurious tents, which he rents from the higher place. And some people bring their camper vans. But we're just having fun together. And we barbecue food and we play and the kids play. And that's what the Feast of Tabernacles was like. Let me just describe to you a little bit about it. It went on for eight days. Uh, there would be a lot of joy and laughter. This was the most joyful of all of the feasts. In fact, one of the quotes from one of the uh, Jewish historians said, whoever had not witnessed the joy of this ceremony had never seen rejoicing at all. It was the biggest of the feasts. We sometimes think Passover was the biggest, but it wasn't. Tabernacles was the big celebration. There was barbecuing. There was lots of burnt offerings. Um, people, people brought all their kind of... Um, Beautiful trees. Let me read to you Leviticus 23. It says, You shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. They had a wonderful time. Plus, they did a water ceremony where they would get a golden bowl and they would fill water from the pool of Siloam and then they would go and pour it out on the altar and they would read Psalm 113 to Psalm 118 uh, some of the words they would have read were, um, Psalm 114 says, You turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of waters. Psalm 118, verse 8, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. 
118 verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Uh, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Save now, I pray, O Lord. This is Psalm 118 verse 25. The priest would have shouted this out and the people would have responded. He would have said, save now. And the people would have shouted back, save now. Amazing. Hosanna. And I pray, Lord, send prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And there was rejoicing. They'd pour out the water. And then at the end of the feast, there was a big day. The last day was a really big celebration day. And everyone was really happy. The Feast of Tabernacles. And the amazing thing is that Jesus in John chapter 7 goes to the Feast of Tabernacles and people don't realize that everything they're symbolizing, all the purpose of the Feast of Tabernacles, remembering God leading them through the wilderness, providing water, protecting them, leading them to the promised land, uh, the fact that they're just living in tents and eternity is to come, they didn't realize that God himself was walking around in a tent like a human body. Jesus was there in the midst and when you read through John chapter 7, it's amazing all the different things that all the different people in the feast said. So at the beginning of John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers, his own fleshly brothers, James and Jude and a few others, didn't believe in him. And they mocked him. They said, why don't you go up to this feast and try and be famous? And the Bible says they didn't believe in him. But after he rose again, they did believe in him. In fact, the book of James in our Bible was written by Jesus' brother James. And the book of Jude in our Bible was written by Jesus' brother Jude. They did believe in him afterwards. But before, they were so put off by the fact that they'd seen this little guy as a six-year-old playing in the garden that they couldn't think he was the Son of God. They were letting their physical senses block the fact that this could be something more, something spiritual. And then, apart from his brothers, there was the Pharisees, and they were arguing, and they were saying, oh, he comes from Galilee. Nothing, no prophet comes from Galilee. They didn't realize that he comes from Bethlehem originally, and they didn't realize that prophets do come from Galilee, actually. I think Jonah came from Galilee. And then there were the people in the crowd, and some were saying, he's a good man. Some were saying, he's a bad man. Some were saying, no one knows where he's from. Can he be the Messiah? Others, others were saying, the Pharisees don't believe in him. Can he really be the Messiah? Some were believing in him. There was all this difference of opinion going on, and people there worshiping and going through the rituals of religious celebration and joy, arguing, listening to different ideas, um, and missing the fact that the Jesus was tabernacling with men. He was here. He was in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us, was right here. And the source of that living water that they were symbolizing when they poured out the water, oh, bring salvation, the joys of the wells of salvation, bring it to us. Jesus was there. God Himself, the God who created living water at the beginning. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of life. And if you ate from the fruit of the tree, you never died. Right at the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, the tree of life is there. And we find out that the reason the fruit gives eternal life is because the water of the river of life is flowing right by the tree of life. So there was the river of life, this water that, that is a spiritual thing, that gives supernatural life, was there in the beginning. It was there at different times in the Old Testament. It was mentioned. Jesus said to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman who went to a well to draw physical water, He said, 
You've had five husbands and now you're living with another man, but I can give you real living water that will satisfy. That living water, Jesus had it within him. He was a well of living water. He was standing there in the feast. They were going through the motions, arguing, thinking, looking with their physical eyes, pouring out water, and the well of life was right there. And it says on the eighth day, on the last, let me just read you, on the final day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out in a loud voice, so I, I imagine the priests are saying, save now. And the people are shouting back, save now, save now, save now. And they're pouring out the water. And then there's a quiet. And all the, all the men of Israel had to come to the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a massive crowd. It was an enormous gathering of people. And it says, Jesus stands up and shouts out in a loud voice. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the Jews are thinking, living water? Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel gets a vision of the river of life. And it says, wherever the river flows, everything will live. And it says, the, the life springs up on the banks of the river. And as it flows into the Dead Sea, which is just dead, it says it brings it to life. And fish and everything comes to life. As the river of life flows in, there's life. And Jesus says, if you believe in me, out of your heart, not out of some other place far away, out of your heart will flow rivers of this supernatural life-giving water. Everywhere it flows, there's life from God given. And verse 39 says, By this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then right at the end of this chapter, so verse 43, so there was a division among the people because of Jesus. Then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. So there was just religious wrangling and it got in the way of people seeing the, the true Jesus. And then Nicodemus, verse 50, who was a Pharisee, but he wanted to know Jesus. He knew there was something more about Jesus. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our Lord judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? And they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look. No prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And then the last verse of the chapter says, And everyone went to his own house. That's a sad, a sad verse. They've been in this place for eight days. They're in an environment where their, their surroundings and everything that's going on around them is pushing them to recognize God and their temporary life and the fact they need the living water. And yet at the end of it, even though Jesus has stood up and cried in a loud voice, it says, and everyone went to his own house. In other words, he left his little tent, his little booth, his tabernacle that he'd made, he left the, the joy and the surroundings. He left the water being poured out. He left Jesus, who had said, come to me if you need it. And he went back to his house, his job, his family, his earthly surroundings that can inoculate us against spiritual things. And my first challenge to us, all of us today, is please, please. You might have been going to church before for years or maybe not. But it's possible that you can be in the presence of the river of life. Jesus can be right here in your midst and you can miss him because you're so blinded by your own house. 
your own life. You know, we can make our tent so comfortable that we forget this is a temporary life. Isn't that true? We can self-medicate with so many different distractions and things that, that dull the need within us so we forget we need eternal life and we think that wandering in the wilderness is normal life. But it's not. This life is wilderness and it's going to end and there's much, much more. There's a river of spiritual life that you and I need and Jesus cried out and He still cries out today. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his heart will flow rivers rivers of living water we had two people come up during the worship today and give me words from the Lord the one um, Pat said that the Lord is saying there's a well that's springing up and then Ian had a word about the oil of the Holy Spirit being available and splashing out for anyone who wants it today and there's healing and there's the presence of the Lord I just want to make this as practical as I can today. I would hate to stand up and speak in very nice sounding words and all religious and we leave here and we just, we go back to our own house, not just physically but figuratively, where we forget the Lord and we don't press in and get what God has for us today. I would hate for that to happen. I went to boarding school when I was about 16 and it was a religious boarding school. So every morning we would start off the day with an assembly where we'd all gather in the hall and um, it looked a bit like Hogwarts from the Harry Potter movies. They were, it was just one of those old-fashioned boarding schools. And we would stand up and the, the headmaster would stand up with his robes and he would read something out of the Bible. And then we would all sing a hymn, one of the well-known old hymns. Um, there's lots of them. Uh, the one that just sticks in my mind is to be a pilgrim. He who would valiant be... And everyone would sing it. And all these boys, for some reason, at my boarding school, it was an all-boys boarding school, and we took pride in singing loud. So the singing would be resonating off the walls of the hall. Against all disaster. And everyone was just singing their hearts out. And I was there, and I was in the midst of all this talk about God. But you know what? I didn't know God. I didn't have Him in my heart. And during my two years at that boarding school, Somebody said to me, why don't you come and learn a little bit more about God? And I went and I listened. And they said, at the end of this, we're going to have a ceremony where we're going to... It was a confirmation service where we're going to call people up and you have to promise whether or not you're going to follow God for the rest of your life. And I, I thought about it and I wasn't quite sure. But eventually I said, yes, this is true. I'm going to do it. And I went up and I said, God, I'm going to follow you. And so from then, I didn't just go to the assemblies on, in the mornings... But I went to a little Christian group of about 15 young men and we would pray and read the Bible and sing and worship. And I went to that for about six months. But I could tell that they, everyone else in the group, even though I'd committed my life to God and I believed in Jesus and I was a Christian, they had a close connection with Jesus that I didn't have. When we were singing, for me it was just going through the motions and singing the words of the songs. And I tried to mean it, but it felt a bit like... I was, I was still not connecting with God. I, I believed in Him, and I was saying the words, but I wasn't, I wasn't connecting. Whereas them, when they sung, they had tears running down their faces, their hands were raised, sometimes they would laugh, sometimes they would jump, and then they would start singing in weird languages. And the one boy came up to me after one of the meetings. He said, Greg, have you, have you spoken in tongues? Do you speak? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I lied, because I didn't want to be the odd one out. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, was, I could tell there was something different. 
They had, a, they had the Holy Spirit inside of them, whereas for me, he was far away. I was worshiping him in another place, like in heaven, and I was here on earth. And so, at one stage, uh, probably six months later, we had a Saturday evening service when the rest of the school was watching movies in the hall. The 15 of us gathered in a little room, and one of the guys, his name was Mike Williams, got up and he said, right, we're now going to pray and lay hands on people if they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And remember, Jesus said in this passage, let me just read it to you again. It says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's quite interesting that Jesus stands up and says, come to me and drink. But they weren't going to drink until Pentecost, a, a, a few months later. And only 120 of the thousands of people there at the Feast of Tabernacles, only 120 stuck it out until the day of Pentecost, six months later or whenever it was, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, the story is told in Acts chapter 1 and 2, where Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, don't leave until you've received power from on high, because you'll be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And they waited, and then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they started to speak and prophesy and praise God in other languages. And all sorts of people from around came. Similar to the tabernacle scene. It was again a feast, Pentecost. And there were lots of people in Jerusalem. But this time, 3,000 were saved and baptized and added to the church. Because now the Holy Spirit had been poured out and available for everyone. When Jesus stood up at the tabernacles, it wasn't available for everyone. The Holy Spirit was not fully given yet. But the great news, my brothers and sisters, is we live in the age when the Holy Spirit, He's here. He's here. We don't need to wait. We, we don't need to tarry. We don't need to earn and, and work and strive and struggle and fulfill a whole lot of requirements. The Holy Spirit is freely available. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He's here, right here in this place. And He's just waiting for us to say, Please, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The only requirement is thirst. It's not being religious. It's not having a degree. It's not being good. It's not going to church. It's not giving a certain amount of money or hours or whatever to the Lord. It's just being thirsty, saying, God, my Father, please, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Anyway, so I went to this meeting on the Saturday night. Mike Williams stood up, he said, we're going to pray, and I want you to imagine the scene, it's a small room, and he stood at the front, and he's saying, we're going to lay hands and pray for people to be filled with the Spirit. He was in upper sixth, and I was in lower sixth, which means seniors, and the, and the rest of the guys were in lower years, they were younger than us, and so because I was a senior in the group, I thought, I better go to the front with Mike and help him lay hands on people and pray. But he knew that I wasn't filled with the Spirit. And as soon as I got up there, he said, Greg, we're going to pray for you. And they grabbed me nicely, lovingly, gently, and they put hands on me, and they prayed. And they started praying in tongues. And I thought, what on earth's going on? And they said, Greg, do you want to be filled with the Spirit? I said, yes, I do. They said, we're praying for you. And now you can speak in tongues. To make a long story short, I went back, ran out of that meeting, 
half joyful, half not sure what was going on. I didn't feel a lot. I didn't get goosebumps. I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't know what was going on. But I went back to my dormitory and it was dark and quiet because everyone was still out watching a movie. And I remember praying and I just sensed there was a spiritual battle going on in my life right at that time. I, I sensed there were dark forces that had come onto my life from my family and from my own sinful life that were not wanting to let go of me, but God was filling me up. And I just remember one verse from the Bible came back to my mind. It was, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And I just said it, he that is in you is greater. For about 10 minutes, it didn't take long, about 10 minutes, and those dark forces left. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I can honestly say my life has never been the same since. I'm, I'm trying to make it plain to you that this is not religious theory. This is real life. I started speaking in other languages. I started reading the Bible and it was like God had written a love letter to me instead of just a theoretical document from long ago. I started talking to people about the Lord and they listened and they got saved. Things changed in my life. The river of living water, it started small, but as I let it out and as I prayed and, and, and let God work through me, it got stronger and stronger. And I can honestly say that I know this is a tent, a tabernacle, a weak fleshly temporary thing, but in me there is a treasure, there is heaven on the inside of me. And I'm reminded every day, it's not me. There's a power of God inside of me. And the great news is you don't have to earn it. You just have to be thirsty and ask for it. I'm going to close with one verse from Luke chapter 11. Jesus is speaking. He says, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's, let's just focus on the Lord now. I wonder if we could play some music, James. Is that all right? Please just forget about everybody around you and just say, Thank you, God, that I'm here today. That I'm in a place where your living water is freely, freely available. Lord God, I've been dry and I've been thirsty. Lord, I've tried to meet that thirst and I've tried to fix up my tent as best I can. But God, I know that deep down inside me there's a longing for you that I must have fulfilled. There's a thirst that only you can satisfy. You might be here today and your need, your first need is forgiveness. You say, I've done things that are wrong. I've hurt people. I've hurt God. I've hurt myself. I've broken rules and laws of God that I know I've done wrong and I need forgiveness. Can I get forgiveness? And the wonderful news is the river of the water of life cleanses sin. It washes you clean. You can be forgiven today. If you cry out to Him, in a moment we're going to ask you to come up to the front and get prayer. God washes that away. God also puts the lonely in families he puts you in a family of Christians. People, normal people, who failed as well and who have ups and downs. And God puts you together with others. And we walk in this together. He fills your heart with an, a love for Him as your daddy. Not just as a faraway 
judge or boss, but as your daddy. He puts his spirit in you and fills you with that love for him. And then there's this bubbling, gurgling spring of water, living water, life-giving water. And wherever that river flows, life happens. He can heal your body. He can heal your mind. He can heal your heart. He can give you peace in your heart, which you've looked for everywhere else. He gives you a sense that I'm accepted by God Almighty. What else matters on this earth? I've found my true home. Even though I'm still living in a tent, I know that my real home is on the inside of me. And one day I'll go there for good. Friend, please don't leave this place today without getting the living water that Jesus promised. Don't leave this place and go back to your own home, your own life, your own tent, your own substitute for living water. Get what Jesus promised. We're going to sing a worship song together. And then at the end of that, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up to the front. And they're just going to line up here. And we're just going to invite you to come up and get prayer. If you have never been filled with the Spirit before, today is your first time. Wonderful. If you have and you want to be refilled, fantastic. Ephesians 5.18, writing to Christians, it says, Do not be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with with the Holy Spirit. And he's writing to people who had previously been filled with the Spirit. He says, get some more. Whatever you would have got from wine, get from God. Amen. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.